Welcome to the Why Your Bank Sucks podcast. My name is James Bach, and I'm here to tell you why your bank does in fact suck very much. Uh, today's topic was something that I didn't know about up until yesterday when I received upwards of about 40 different messages, whether it was through Twitter or email, in regards to changes that are happening with Wells Fargo accounts, mainly that the terms and conditions are being changed on several of their accounts, and a lot of people are expressing their displeasure on Twitter. Understandably so. The thing that's most interesting about the changes is they're affecting different people different ways. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about just a couple of the accounts that are changing and why I think it's bad for business, the way that they're doing it. And and the simple fact that looking for a quick buck now is actually a detriment to the company later on down the road. And I'll explain you know, as to why that is. But I got to tell you, it, it's been a really interesting 24 hours learning about how Wells Fargo has been doing business. I've had an account there since I was 15 years old. Um, Full disclosure, my aunt at one point in time was on the board of directors for a bank called United New Mexico Bank, which was acquired by Norwest Bank, which eventually was acquired by Wells Fargo in the late 90s. So I've had a business relationship with Wells Fargo as a customer going on 20 years now. And also, uh, because my aunt was on the board of directors for the longest time, the restaurant that she owned, which my mom was the manager of, um, banked at Wells Fargo as well. So my mom would actually go make uh, you know the commercial deposits for the restaurant every single day. So my familiarity with Wells Fargo is actually really, really deep just because that was the main big bank that I dealt with before I started working at Bank of America. And I never really had a bad thing to say about them personally. I just had a basic account. I still had a basic account with them up until a few months ago uh, when I lost my job and ended up closing out that account. But occasionally I'd hear things on Twitter about how Wells Fargo is doing business. And I kind of keep track. But since a lot of the time my tweets were B of A centric, I kind of avoided it. But today I'm jumping in full steam ahead. And it was just interesting to see... How a, a change in fees, because Bank of America hasn't really changed its terms and conditions on their checking accounts in several years. So it's something that I hadn't had to deal with in a long time because say what you want about Bank of America, and I say a lot about them. It, it seems like they're pretty consistent with the accounts that they offer. It's basically only two main accounts and one kind of under the radar type of checking account that they do offer over there. And to be fair, I like simplicity. I, I really like that they just try to keep it simple. But I received a couple of tweets. One of them was from at Internet Tab, is this person's Twitter handle. And it was um, a discussion about the goal savings account. And I'm going to read to you exactly what it said in the goal savings account. Because I think it's important to see the wording of that. And I'm going to actually tweet out um, a link to a picture of the terms and conditions changed in the show notes. So if you look at my show notes, you'll see a link there of the email that a lot of people are getting. And I also received it. I want to give credit to at Ace Runner underscore KJ. His name is Corey Jeffries for um, sending me this picture too. This is the first I had heard of it 17 hours ago as of the recording of this podcast. And it's, as I mentioned, it is talking about the conversion from regular savings to goal savings account. And I'm going to get to the name in just a second because it is the most blatant name I've ever heard for an account. 
So here it goes. It says, what is happening to your regular savings account? And it says, on June 10th, 2019, your regular savings account will change to goal savings. With goal savings, it's easier to avoid the monthly service fee by making direct deposits. Well, we'll explain that in a second. Please review the information below to learn more about the change, including fees and how to avoid them. What is changing? The name of your account is changing to goal savings. And then another bullet point. You no longer have to make a single direct deposit of $100 or more to avoid the monthly service fee. Effective with your first fee period after May 8, 2019, which is today as of this podcast, the total of all qualifying direct deposits during a fee period count towards the $100 requirement. Really complicated wording there. So instead of having to put $100 in directly once a month, you can split it. You can split it up. So say you get paid at your job every week, you could do $25 a week from your paycheck into your goal savings account and avoid the fee that way. Uh, And I'll explain in just a second why I believe that that's probably the dumbest thing to do and why you shouldn't do it. It says, what what should you do? Please review your current regular savings account statement for additional information regarding these changes. I will say that I like Wells Fargo statements. I like how they show you how you avoided the fee. So if you um, have a direct deposit with a checking account, it'll show, hey, you avoided the fee with a direct deposit. So there's no fee. I like that about their statements. But the wording right here is is convoluted enough where people are going to make mistakes. So they're also uh, mentioning what is not changing. It says the monthly service fee is going to remain $5. Pretty standard for... A savings account, although Bank of America does charge $8 for their savings account now. All other options to avoid the regular savings monthly service fee are available on goal savings. Your account number will not change. Direct deposits and automatic transfers will not be interrupted, which is good because why would you why would you possibly think that all the things that you had set up for years are going to change because they changed the name? I'm glad that they cleared that up, but I really think it's just you know stupid at that point to just kind of throw a monkey wrench out there, you know, and I don't think any bank would do that because there would just be chaos. So the regular savings account, whenever I I search for New Mexico-based savings accounts, and of course your state may vary because they may have different accounts in different states, doesn't exist anymore. They don't have a regular savings. They have something called Way to Save Savings, which basically is a glorified Bank of America keep the change thing where anytime that you use your account, they'll move a dollar over to your savings. So it's kind of, you know, goosing along your savings as you go. Um, I don't I don't believe that this one is being touched. I believe it's an old older type of savings account that's being phased out and the goal savings is going in. Um, but when you look at their savings account comparisons, um, there is no goal savings on here and that actually leads me to a point see because i was so confused about this new account that was coming about i actually tweeted at ask wells fargo which is um, their version of b of a help equally as unhelpful but i tweeted through my personal account i'll send the screenshots and i'll put them on the show notes on there and basically i asked can i have a schedule of fees which is something you're allowed to do as a non-customer they're supposed to give you a list of all the things that they could potentially charge you That way you can make an informed business decision. So I asked for that, and normally they get to people within 15 to 20 minutes. I don't know if they know about my project or something, but it took three hours for them to get back to me. 
and they sent me a link that went to a PDF file which showed me the schedule of fees. The problem with the schedule of fees that they gave me was it was effective July 2018. So a lot of the things that were in there are actually changing because of the emails that my uh, listeners are getting. So the information that Wells Fargo themselves sent me was incorrect. So if I open an account today with the information that I had on that PDF uh, schedule of fees... In a month, I'm going to be sorely, sorely upset because they gave me the wrong information. All of a sudden, there's new terms and conditions, and I'm really upset about it. So um, shame on Wells Fargo for that because they had an opportunity to be proactive and say, hey, you know what? Our accounts are going to be changing effective June of 2019. Here's an updated schedule of fees that we're releasing. That way you can make a better decision. So if someone opens a Wells Fargo savings account, regular savings account now, um, between now and a week from now, they're going to go in under the guise of these old schedule of fees that don't apply to their savings account once it becomes a converted account next month. It sounds really, really complicated, I know, but trust me on this. And here's why I really dislike this goal savings account. First of all, the name. So Wells Fargo announced after they got in trouble with their whole account opening scandal that, oh, we don't have any more sales goals. There's no more sales goals for bankers. There's, there's no more sales goals for branches. Yeah, that's a lie. Okay, so maybe they don't have posted sales goals for their associates. Maybe they're not hired and fired by some arbitrary number that a regional manager gives them or the market gives them. But if you're not performing, you're not opening accounts, you're not going to have a job there as a banker. So the simple fact that whenever someone opens an account, they open a checking account with Wells Fargo and... Inevitably, that salesperson is going to want to impress their boss. So, of course, the checking account's open. You ask for more. It's like, hey, how about a savings account? And if they say yes, hey, you know, you can open up Wells Fargo credit card. Or you can open up online banking as well. Even though the whole drive for eight or whatever it was called by the previous CEO, Wells Fargo, doesn't exist anymore, that person's going to want to go to their boss and say, hey, that guy, I just opened up a checking savings, a credit card. I had a conversation about a possible home loan in the near future. They want that high five. They want their bonus. They want their kudos. So although they don't advertise it anymore that they have you know, sales goals, they're still there. But the simple fact that the account is called the goal savings account just makes me laugh because part of the goal of being a banker is adding on extra products to someone's initial conversation. So if they go in wanting a checking, if you get a savings account as well, well, that's part of your goal. It's like, hey, yeah, I deepened the hell out of that customer. I got as many products as I possibly could have in this one conversation. So the fact that they name it the goal savings account is almost like a big FU to a lot of people who um, pay attention to these things, myself included as a former banker. They're saying, hey, we're going to we're gonna call it the goal savings account. And, you know, why don't they just call it the, hey, I'm going to get my bonus so I can buy that 70-inch TV savings account. I, that's what I think of. I, I think of savings accounts as, and I used to say this to my manager and I've said this to my coworkers in the past. I call savings accounts crackers in the meatloaf or bread in the meatloaf accounts. And if you've ever made a meatloaf, then you know that sometimes in order to make that thing look, you know, bigger and impressive, you put things in there. You know, some people put veggies, some people will put breadcrumbs, and some people will put saltine crackers and they mix it with the meat. And then when it cooks, it just kind of expands and it makes this meatloaf so much better. That's what savings accounts are for me. Savings accounts are these extra things that make a relationship seem better and deeper. 
So now the second part of it was, did you like my meatloaf analogy, by the way? I just came up with that on the fly. <laughs> so and the second part of it was you no longer have to make a single direct deposit of $100 or more to avoid the monthly service fee. Effective May 8, 2019, the total of all deposits in your savings account can count towards the $100 requirement. This is probably there, you know, because someone was ticked off at the fact that they had to put in $100 or more in the savings account anytime they get paid. I would hate that. I wouldn't have that account. That being said, working at Bank of America, one of the pluses that I did have was I was able to split my direct deposit eight different ways into eight different accounts. And I'm a person who exploits the heck out of, um, you know, cool things like that. So I did take advantage of that and I did split my paycheck eight different ways. So, you know, someone who's maybe not, you know, more well off, someone who's, you know, working in fast food or something and they don't have the money, putting $100 in the savings account is just not a practical thing. It's hard to save money whenever you're lower class. It really is. I know this. So to be able to split it up is good for those people, like I said, who can get paid weekly or biweekly, and they can do 25 a check or 50 a check, and then it eventually gets to 100 and it makes their account free. It sounds all well and good, except for the simple fact that the average person, the average American, and this is from my experience as a banker who opened accounts and reviews accounts and discussed how people spend their money, the the average the average customer does not save money. So if they put money in a savings account, whether it's through the way to save with Wells Fargo or keep the change with Bank of America or any type of automatic schedule transfer, you know, just to to kind of fool themselves that, hey, I'm trying to save money, most people will dip back into the savings account. And they'll put it back in the checking account saying, oh, I can't save this week. You know, I have to put $30 of gas because I'm going to have to drive out of town for a, a business meeting or something. So they always justify dipping their money out of their savings account and putting it into a checking account. And I think if you have multiple deposits of $25 or more um, going into a savings account from your paycheck or just something that's automatic like that, well, then you're going to find yourself in violation of Regulation D. And I don't want to turn this into a nerdy type of bank conversation, but a lot of people don't know what Regulation D is. It's not Sunny D. It's not Sunny Delight. Regulation D is something that's been around for years and years and years. And I'm going to read um, just kind of the definition of it, the broad definition of it. So Regulation D, according to Wikipedia, and we all know Wikipedia is the end-all, be-all, know-it-all for everything, right? It says Regulation D is a Federal Reserve regulation which sets out reserve requirements for banks in the United States. It is more familiar to the public as the regulation that limits monthly withdrawals from savings accounts. So basically, banks are being told by the government, and this has been around for years, it's been around for decades, that they need to have money in reserves. So a bank can't be just broke. So whenever you have money in a checking account, it's actually different than having money in a savings account. The money in a checking account is more thought of as, hey, that's your day-to-day -day spending money, so it's something that's available to you at all times. While savings accounts, in theory, your money is going into an account, and the money that's going into your account with the bank is actually going into another account to earn interest and to provide backup, you know, for reserves, if you will, in case something catastrophic will happen. 
So a lot of people don't realize with savings accounts is you're not allowed to withdraw on an unlimited amount of times. There's no bank that offers unlimited withdrawals on savings accounts. There's just there's just none. So any person who tells you, hey, my savings account, I can withdraw it every single day if I want, they're absolutely lying. My first bank account I ever had, my first adult bank account I ever had was a savings account at a local bank back home. And I got $81 in excessive withdrawal fees because... Whenever I was working, I had a summer job, and I graduated high school, so I had all this graduation money. I would take $20 a day out for gas, food, expenses. I was a teenager, and I was blowing my money left and right. I blew my whole graduation money in one summer, by the way. But I would take $20 out every single day. And after the third withdrawal, not knowing that I had a savings account, I just had a bank account, quote-unquote. After the third time, I got you know charged a $3 fee by this bank. And every day I would take 20 out, not knowing that I was getting charged this fee. So the first month, the first bank statement I got, I took a look at my bank statement and I was $81 short. I went to a family member who worked at the bank and asked why. And they said, well, you can only take money out three times a month from this account. At any time after that, they charge you $3 because it's in violation of Regulation D. I didn't know what the hell that was, and I still didn't know what the hell that was until I started working at Bank of America, and I would see these crazy excessive withdrawal fees that would be $3 per transaction. So when I would open a savings account for someone, and then you know, cut to 10 years later, 2012, 2013, when the limit for withdrawals became 6 at Bank of America, anytime after the 6th withdrawal, you would be charged a $3 fee. And you would see people just using a savings account like a checking account and basically breaking the rules. They're breaking the rules of Regulation D, causing themselves crazy fees, fees that, yes, the bank charges, but fees that aren't necessarily stated in the normal you know, account opening documents or it's something that's not discussed. So about two years ago, Bank of America changed that $3 excessive withdrawal fee to $10 uh, withdrawal fee per transaction after six with a maximum $60. So if you used your account 12 times in a month, Bank of America would charge you $60 that month for that savings account. It's an insane amount of money. It's an insane amount of money to pay for a bank account that doesn't really do anything, nor is there a debit card attached to it. So Regulation D, my, my, my problem with it is, and Wells Fargo charges a $15 excessive activity fee for each item that's cleared after it's been... Um, exceeded it's five dollars more than bank of america i really think that this is wells fargo's way of kind of gambling with themselves and the money of their clients into trying to get more of those excessive activity fees so let me give you an example if you get paid four times a month and you're putting 25 dollars in your savings account per check and something always comes up when you're poor okay something always comes up you know if you have kids oh they're sick so you need to go buy medicine or a copay for you know a doctor or something, or your car breaks down. Oh, I need a new battery. A new battery for my car is eighty dollars. I'm gonna just dip it out of savings. You're always kind of reaching in for that savings. So, if you have four instances like that a month where you need that money in the savings account and you can't save it, then what you're doing is you're taking that money out four times automatically without thinking about it. And then there's those other times. Those other times like, you know, I want to go out to eat, but I only have 50 in my checking account, but I have 100 in my savings. I'm going to move $30 over, and we're going to Applebee's as a family. Move that money over, there's your fifth one. And then you go, well, 
I need a new pair of shoes for work. I just need some comfortable shoes. I'm going to go to Walmart and buy a pair of comfy shoes, $20. Move that $20 from your savings and checking. All of a sudden, you're at 6 And then the next thing was, you know, you're a little short for lunch. And you're like, oh, man, my restaurant went up in price. Everything's $2 more expensive. I don't have enough in my checking account. Hold on one second. Let me go to my app and let me just transfer $5 over from my savings. And then you can slide my card. Transfer it over. That's the seventh one. Wells Fargo has just charged you $15 for an excessive activity fee because you used your account seven times that month. The four times that you transferred were kind of as a result of you having to move money over from your direct deposit into savings to kind of avoid the fee there. So they lose that $5 fee, quote unquote. And all the times that they knew that you were going to transfer, plus all the times that do come up, added up to seven. So that month you just got charged a $15 excess activity fee. So before 2009, it used to be three transactions a month. 2009 rolled around, it's, it's six. The advent of online banking and mobile banking and the people have gotten smarter. The knowledge that people have about how to transfer money on the fly and everything has actually led to savings accounts really being an antiquated thing in my opinion. So whenever Wells Fargo is saying, hey, we're tight, we're not you know, tight with the restrictions anymore, we're loosening it up. You don't have to put $100 in in one shot. You can do four transactions at 25 and we'll waive the monthly fee for you. And they know, just like casinos know that you're going to spend money when you're in the casino, they know that they're going to get that money back and then some. You know, the you know, in the movie casino, I was just watching that the other day, they say, you know, what you got to do is keep them playing. If you keep them playing and keep them drunk and keep them happy, eventually they're going to lose the money that they wanted to use, plus they'll lose more that they didn't want to spend. That's what that's what Wells Fargo is banking on with this change with the goal savings account, is they're basically betting on you to be ho- horribly irresponsible with your money, and they're going to hit you with that $15 fee. You know, what's charging a $5 fee when you can charge 15 because they're basically doing the same thing that they were going to do anyway? And that that adds to their goal, their revenue goal as a publicly traded company to make money as a, you know, a bank, to make money as a financial institution. So the fact that they named this goal savings is almost kind of a, just a big middle finger in the face to customers because what they're doing is they're basically... They're basically kind of egging you on, saying, yeah, go ahead and transfer the money. And then once you get to seven transactions in a month, hit you with that $15 fee, they just made triple the money that they would have on that $5 monthly maintenance fee. It sounds really complicated, right? I don't have a Wells Fargo savings account. I haven't had one in years and years. Yet reading this, knowing the way that I thought as a salesperson and knowing the way that those horrible people above me the, the sales market managers and the area market managers of Bank of America thought about new accounts and revenue and, and growth and all that, I know that's exactly what they're thinking. To the average person who just has $10,000 in a savings account and doesn't do a damn thing, who never touches it, who literally has that money for a rainy day, not a day where it sprinkles, but literally when they need to, you know, buy a new car on the fly or something like that. Those people aren't affected because they don't even look at their savings account. There's so many people that I met over the years who had a million dollars, you know, total with Bank of America, Merrill Lynch and everything. And they they just have money that sits there. They'll have $200,000 in an account that's earning 
two dollars interest or something like that and they they never touch it they're like eh, I, I don't need it and i don't use it i'm not gonna use it so those people aren't impacted the ones that are impacted are the ones that wells fargo is making them jump through hoops and saying hey you got to put a hundred dollars in this savings account otherwise we're going to charge you a fee for it so once they do 100 their way because they don't make a lot of money which is 25 dollars a week times four weeks Guess what's going to happen? They know that you're going to mess up, and all of a sudden, they're $15 a month richer. If someone does six or seven, well, if they do seven or more transactions every single month for 12 months, at a minimum, Wells Fargo will make $180 off of your savings account. A savings account where you may never have $180 as a constant balance. And that's really depressing. You know, it, it really is. And it's a twofold problem. So basically, Wells Fargo doesn't want people who don't have a lot of money to have these accounts. I've heard as such with, you know, B of A with checking accounts when I would open them up with a $25 minimum balance. They're like, well, we're going to be doing all this work and they're never going to have any money in this account. And they're going to be bugging you for temporary debit cards and they're going to be asking you to waive fees. They see it as an investment. They're like, well, we're only getting $25 in this account, but yet they're going to bother James, the banker, for several hours every single month. It's not worth it to us. So Wells Fargo is, in essence, just trying to find a way to get these people to say, F you guys, I'm closing my accounts, period, which I saw dozens of them in the time that I was doing my research yesterday on this. And, and there was a lot of people who reached out to me, and I don't even know who the hell they were. And they reached out to me saying, hey, you got to see what's going on with Wells Fargo. This is ridiculous. It, it really, truly is ridiculous. And, and I agree. If you don't want to have a savings account that's kind of, you know, focused on growing savings, then don't have it. If you want to fee someone to death like that, then, then find, a, find a gentler way to do it. Because the way that they do this is low-key sneaky. They make it seem like nothing really big is changing. When in reality, something else is changing that's that's greater. They're, they're basically telling you, hey, you have three other opportunities to put your money back in the account. And and I think that that's just really crappy. Because if you, if you only had one $100 deposit going into your savings account, chances are you may just move that $100 over. And if you move that $100 over, then you're going to be six short of getting charged that fee. So someone who's probably like a retiree who has social security or or disability, then they don't really have to worry about it as much, though Wells Fargo and Bank of America and all the bigger banks, uh, for that matter, don't really want to open those accounts because, in essence, that's what got Wells Fargo in trouble. They said, well, there's too many accounts just to kind of grow our you know account goals for the quarter and year or whatever, and they're not really being used, so... What's the point? What's the value of having this account? And and banks should kind of self-audit that and say, hey, well, there's no reason to have this account. And although it's horribly cruel, the, the, the cruel thing about it is you're basically telling someone that you can't save. You're basically saying, hey, you can't save because we don't want to be in a position where we charge you fees. Because it, it's... It's bad optics for them to nickel and dime someone like that. So this way is basically putting it back on you saying well you know you're going to have multiple deposits a month into your savings account so if you're dipping into it and moving it over well we let you know that there's a limit but after six transactions well we're going to have to charge you a fee per this very antiquated regulation that's been around for decades that was only amended 10 years ago 
So a lot of people don't know the bank nerdy part of that. And, and should they? Yeah, they should. But it's not discussed whenever you're in an office. I know this because I, I would tell people about the limit. But then again, I wouldn't open up savings accounts just for the hell of it. So I really think at the end of the day, Wells Fargo is putting themselves in a position to where they're looking for a short, short-term gain in money, but a long-term we don't want to deal with these fools anymore because we're so frustrated. We don't want to. We don't want to put ourselves in a position as customers to get nickel and dime for these fees when they're really doing nothing for us. They're not paying any interest, and they're not really giving a you know what about if I'm really growing my money. It's just the fact that they're wanting us to be status quo with our accounts, hoping that we mess up, and then charging us $15 for the pleasure of taking our own money out. So that that is the long and short of everything with the gold savings account. The only thing that I can tell you to add on to that is, you know, there's other ways of moving money through your Wells Fargo account or having an overall relationship that's typically tens of thousands of dollars that'll waive the fees on this account. So it's not a huge deal. It's not going to be something that impacts a lot of people who have 10,000 or more with their relationship with Wells. They'll work with you for that. But someone who doesn't, hell no. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to get feed to death. And I think that's one of the reasons that so many people reached out and so many people are just blasting Wells Fargo today. So um, I'm going to take a brief promotional consideration because I wanted to talk really quick about another account that's changing or a lot of people that were getting a rude awakening from their fees uh, with Wells Fargo. So I'm going to take a brief pause and then I'm going to come back with just a short little rant about that. So stick around. All right. The other one that I wanted to touch on um, was brought to my attention by Twitter handle at ERDemert. And she had actually posted that and I'm going to just read the tweet and forgive my language here. It says, God damn it, Wells Fargo finally caught on and now i got to pay fees like an adult. And then she posted a screenshot of an email that she got that her teen checking account was changing to an everyday checking account. And she just put um, on the screenshot one paragraph that says, What's happening? It says, On June 24th, 2019, important changes are coming to your Wells Fargo checking account. Teen check checking was made available to account holders 13 to 17 years of age. And now it's time to move to our most popular account, Everyday Checking. I laugh because it says, uh, now it's time to put on your big boy pants, your big girl pants, and be an adult and just and pay a fee like a like an adult would. It, it's just so disingenuous, that paragraph. I just had to laugh. I'm sorry. But the teen checking account was, you know, it's something that Bank of America kind of entertained for a while. They had a, a, a student account, if you will, Campus Edge Checking which was free forever and ever until it wasn't. And the teen checking account, you know, was made available for years at Wells Fargo, and it was available, as they said, for uh, ages 13 to 17, but ages 13 to 18 in Alabama for some strange reason, um, to introduce, you know, people that age to banking. So whenever they get their first job or they get an allowance and their parents are digitally savvy, they transfer money to their checking account, you know, all that good stuff. In reality, the teen checking account was... The bank's way, the, the way the cigarette companies would kind of, you know, market Joe Camel and all that to kind of appeal to younger people. The teen checking account was there as a sales ploy to, you know, whenever you had to go, Dad, do I have to go with you to the bank? Yes, you have to go with me to the bank. I have a lot of errands to run. And your, you know, teen daughter or son is just sitting in the lobby. And the banker, you know, because I was this banker, okay, so I was this guy. 
who did this because he had to in order to keep his job. I had to go, well, hey, is that your daughter out there or is that your son? It was always weirder when it was, it was their daughter, you know. So is that your son out there? Yeah, you know, how old is he, 15? Oh, does he have a job? Oh, yeah, he works, you know, as a bag boy at the local grocery store. You know what? We actually have an account for them in case they're ever interested. That way he can cash his checks. He can do direct deposit. If you ever need to send him money for sports or something, you can transfer money using online banking. Um, and it's actually free for them. They don't have to worry about a minimum balance. They get a debit card just like you. They get online banking. They can they can learn about money as they grow up. That way by the time they hit college, they'll know everything about banking and they'll be totally savvy. Did I believe that? Absolutely not. I did not believe that. I was a trained, skilled salesperson, and I knew how to make that just sound so amazing to the parent of a teenage daughter or son. I really I really knew how. I am 36, and I'm still learning about myself, and I worked in banking for 13 years, okay? So to the average person, you know, they have some troubles with banking. So to someone 13 to 17 years old, do they have issues? Absolutely they do. You know, they're still learning about, hey, overdrafts and learning about ATM fees and all that. So there's a lot of a learning curve there. So whenever you have the team checking account, it was disingenuously made because they wanted more accounts. This was part of Wells Fargo's attempt to grow their business to make it more and more and more and make crap tons of more money. So the team checking account was there and it's still there. It's not going away. It's just, you know, this person on Twitter was... She was in her 20s, if I'm not mistaken. So the fact that she's in her 20s just made all the all the difference where it was time to grow up and it was time to do something different. It was time to be in an adult account according to Wells Fargo. Well, the problem with that is they never mention whenever you're a teenager, hey, when you turn 18, you're going to have to pay a fee. They, they didn't do that. They didn't do that with her, and they didn't do that with millions of people. Why do I know that? Because Bank of America did the same thing. What happens is some bean counter somewhere who's doing a review of all these accounts to check for compliance for um, sales associates to make sure they're doing the right thing and entering in the right information, the same type of people who ended up getting me fired at my job for that reason, and if you listen to the previous podcast, you'll understand what I mean, Basically, they review and they go, hey, wait a second, this person's 22 years old and they're in the team checking account. Then they double check the signature cards, they double check the account opening procedures back in the day to make sure that that banker, if he's still employed, he may have to have a conversation with his boss saying, hey, why is this person still in team checking when they're 20 some years old? Well, they check that and they go, well, this person's no longer with the company. And he looks like he did it right. He opened it up as a teen checking account when this person was 15. Everything checked out. They had a student ID. They had a driver's license. So it made sense. Everything was fine. So how do we break the news to our customer? We don't call them or we don't, you know, we don't have a prompt at the teller window or at our ATM. I'm sure they could push a message on the ATM or something. And say, hey, you know, please talk with the banker because there's a change that we need to discuss with your account to make sure that we're doing the best service for you. No, okay, so you, you do electronic statements because you don't want paper statements. And then you do electronic messages by email. And no one ever reads those. I don't read any of my Bank of America ones. And, you know, this person just happened to do it. And all of a sudden they say, hey, guess what? Your account's check- changing to the everyday checking. And effective this day, you're going to have to worry about this or you're going to have to pay a fee. And someone will just look at it and go, why? What did I do? What what the hell's going on? It's time Wells Fargo is doing it again. 
I heard stories about it. I never got charged because I was in this account as as a little kid, and now I'm an adult, and now I'm getting charged. This is BS. I'm gonna leave this bank. And that's kind of how I ran into this person on Twitter, um, because there were so many people doing it last night. If you can believe that, so. You know, basically what they do is that these bean counters look at it and say, hey, well, this person's getting a fee waiver when they shouldn't, so let's send them a message. And one, they're either going to get charged the fee and we're going to make X amount of dollars per year by this person. Or two, maybe they have assets at other banks and they'll move them over here, which means we make more money off of holding that person's assets. Maybe they have 20K at a Capital One account or something we don't know about. And then, of course, another part of it is bring them into the bank, which allows us to have our first conversation with that person in in years. And they probably have credit now and they probably need to have a conversation about buying their first car. So it actually breeds more relationship deepening and more thorough selling. It sucks. It totally sucks. But it's all a sales play. So this person on Twitter doesn't realize that it's just it's more than just a yeah we're charging you ten dollars a month. It's a well we haven't talked to you in an office in like eight years, so we know that you're now of age to get a credit card. We know that if you graduated high school and even college and you're in the working world that you probably have some money saved or you probably need guidance in getting that money saved. And then the third part of it is while we have these conversations about how to better serve you. Other little clues, quote-unquote, are going to pop up, which allow the bankers to go, hey, you mentioned this. By the way, we have this. And it sucks. <laughs> I'm not at the end of the podcast yet. That's why I didn't say why your bank sucks. But it really sucks that this email is actually more than just we're charging you. This email is come in and discuss this with us, and I bet you we can pull more accounts out of you. We can pull more money into our bank from other accounts that you have because that's how highly they think of their their skilled salespeople because I was those that skilled salesperson. I know this. My whole goal was revenue and deepening, and they can give a free account to everyone regardless of the fact if they're a teenager or a 60-year-old. It's not about that. It's the fact that every so often they change things up which precipitates or which prompts, excuse me, a conversation that the customer has with the bank, which leads to a, hey, you should talk to so-and-so, and so-and-so is going to sell the hell out of you and sell deep and sell well. And and, and that, that part of it is just really disingenuous because, you know what, I, I'm an advocate for free checking for all, okay? All things being equal with overdraft fees and all these other things that banks nickel and dime you on, the account should be free, you know, it's the the rate of investment, the return on investment for the bank is going to be not on the monthly service fees. It's going to be on the overdrafts, the potential stop payment fees for checks. It's going to be on the fact that you may need a money order for $10 at one point in time. And you may do a home loan, which can bring thousands of dollars into the bank and origination fees and all that. So they're betting on you long term. It's, you know, I, I use Vegas and casino analogies all the time, but I'm going to use one again. It's like Vegas giving you a free room, knowing that you're not going to pack bologna sandwiches and just, you know, put them in the sink and just cover them in ice and eat bologna sandwiches in Vegas for a week. 
No, you're going to go to their restaurant and buy a $22 burger and a $46 steak. Oh, the steak doesn't come with mashed potatoes? It's because the mashed potatoes are $9. You want a beer? It's $7 um, at this restaurant. I thought alcohol was free in Vegas. Well, that's if you're playing slots. So if you put a $20 bill on a slot and you lose that $20 and you get a free beer from the waitress after that, well, guess what? That beer wasn't free. You just paid $20 by putting it into a slot machine for that beer. So for two beers, you spent $27, 20 at the slot machine and 7 at the restaurant while eating your $46 steak and eating your $9 mashed potatoes. The rate of investment for the room is just, it's, it's infinite because they can give you the room for free all day, every day. Banks can give you the account for free all day, every day because they know that they're going to make their money and all these other fees. So it's really not about, you know, for this um, person on Twitter, about the monthly fee for their account. It's more about the... This is a way to get them in the bank for the first time in years to sell them more stuff. And and frankly, that's just one of those things that I wish banks would do different. Because if you actually cared about your customers and you actually followed them throughout the course of their life, especially if they live in the same part of town and they go to the same branch, then you should know everything about them. You should go, hey, I remember you. I opened your account before. Is this your kid? Oh, wow, I remember when you were a kid yourself, you know, I sound like an old man when I'm saying that I'm only 36, but I've dealt with that. I was 22 when I started at the bank, and there's people that I knew that were seven years old at the time of me opening up an account for their parents, and now all these years later, they're 21, and there's two people that I know that are 21, that one of them is working in Seattle or something, and the other one is a dancer, and she does backup um, dances for like Jennifer Lopez and she performed at the Latin Grammy Awards and all that. So I've seen these people evolve. So when they come back into the bank and if I work there, I would go, hey, I remember when you were just a kid. Now look at you famous and making money and all that. That's what, that's really what a banker should do and a bank should do. But no, they just send a very bland email. Yeah, we're going to charge you $10 effective June 24th because the teen account was meant for teens, and you're not a teen anymore. And now, all of a sudden, you got to deal with this fee. Let me just read it again, the disingenuous part. Teen checking was made available to account holders 13 to 17 years of age. And now it's time to move on to our most popular account. Screw you. <laughs> I just get so offended by that. I just get so mad by how they're talking to this person about it. Uh, the everyday checking that they were changing it to is their basic account. It's a $10 a month fee, and you can avoid it by um, getting a direct deposit of $500 or more. Remember, not every place of work has direct deposit. Or a $1,500 minimum daily balance. Guess what? Not everyone has $1,500 um, to put in their account minimum every single day it just doesn't work that way or 10 posted debit card transactions someone may have a rewards credit card and they may want to use that to earn a little bit back maybe they use paypal you know there's there's so many things that go on to avoid the fee yes but the fact that the account was free with all without all these other things just a month before and all of a sudden they're throwing this on you is one of the reasons along with the goal savings account why your bank sucks. My name is James Baca, and after this brief promotional consideration, I'm going to come back with, um, if you haven't noticed on my Twitter and Facebook group, I'm giving away Google Home Minis. So I'm going to give you the, the word and or phrase of the day in order to post to our social media, in order to possibly win one of these Google Home Minis. So stick around just about 30 to 60 seconds. 
All right, so if you've been following us on Twitter or Facebook, you'll know that I'm giving away a bunch of Google Home Minis. So long story short, Christmas time last year, I come upon this little, I'll call it a trick. I won't say a scheme because scheme sounds illegal, but a little trick that allowed me to acquire you know, about four dozen Google Home Minis for free. So I decided to be generous, and in order to help boost our popularity course on social media i want people to learn about this podcast and i want our our listenership to grow and it's already getting there really really high but i want more people to be introduced to us if you will i decided to give away some of these google home minis so i'm going to give away a few of them uh just by listening to the podcast so what i'm going to do is i'm going to say a secret word or phrase at the end of every podcast like I'm going to do in just a minute and what you have to do is you have to either instant message me on Facebook and it's James Baca you can find the wire bank sucks group just James Baca or at bank screwed us on Twitter you have to direct message me you have to follow me or direct message me on Twitter and you have to join my group and you have to message me privately do not post the secret word or phrase publicly if you do you will be disqualified from getting the google home mini so once you hear the word you message me directly and then i'm going to put you in a drawing to win a google home mini there's not a lot of people there folks so if 40 people you know give me the secret word or phrase you have a one in 40 chance you don't have a one in a thousand chance to win things like this normally so at being screwed us on twitter direct message and follow and join our Wire Bank Sucks group on Facebook, and you can instant message me by finding me on there. So today's secret word or phrase for the Google Home Mini is chargeback. I repeat, it's chargeback. So with that word, what you do is you type in a message, you send it to me, your name will be entered in the drawing. I will either cut up pieces of paper and write your name and throw them in a hat or I'm going to find an app that's going to do that for me to where I could type in names and it's just going to randomly pick one but you do have a good chance if you do let me know the secret word one more time it's chargeback so please please get on top of that you will have to do the next two secret words in order to be eligible for the free google home mini so once you gave me the two correct secret words or phrases, then the drawing will occur, and then I'll do it again in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to spread this out over weeks and months, my friends. So you may win one now. You may win one a few weeks from now. You may win one a few months from now. So I'll be nice. One last time. Chargeback is the secret word of the day. Please message me as soon as possible. Um, any messages that happen after the next secret word is announced will also be disqualified as well so no public posting of this and no after the next podcast posting of this first word you got to be on top of it the two secret words will allow you to be entered in to win a google home mini now that i made the contest as complicated as possible i'm going to wrap it up today so thank you so much for listening to my podcast the one final note I wanted to say about Wells Fargo's changes with their accounts is, quite frankly, they don't have a CEO at the moment. So they don't have a leader at the top of the post to kind of, they would be the ones that would kind of take all the heat for changes like this whenever there's fee increases. So when there's no CEO, there's really no one to yell at and no one knows the behind the scenes people that actually make these decisions. 
So it's probably one of the main reasons why Wells Fargo is doing it now. Once they have a CEO, I'm sure they'll mix things up again, but I think these little fee increases or these little terms and conditions changes were done now, now that they have time without a leader to kind of fall on the sword, so to speak. So there's no one falling on any swords right now because of Wells Fargo's changes. That being said, I do want to wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. Go to at Us, which is our running commentary and vigilante customer service for banks. Then it's going to be at James B is right, which is my personal Twitter. And at Bank Sucks Pod, which is the podcast official Twitter page. It is just a place for me to post links, folks. So go to at Bank Screwed Us primarily. That's where you'll get to interact with me on a regular basis. Three books coming out. Bank of America Nearly Made Me Homeless and I Work There. Beer Money, a banking book for younger people. And The Bank Screwed Us, which is 100 complaints by 100 different clients about Bank of America. All three will be available on Amazon and available on Kindle, any ebook format very soon. So be on top of that. Uh, go to www.wirebanksucks.com. And also, I will have a store that will be selling T-shirts and other little trinkets, other little gifts um, that will benefit well myself, first of all, and then benefit some charitable organizations as well. That will be coming in the very, very near future, hopefully in the next week. And then I do have a Patreon for someone who wants exclusive bonus content, who wants additional podcast who wants to be able to contribute to help me keep the lights on, to help me get keep this going as a full-time job, go to patreon.com slash wirebanksucks. Donate as little as $1 a month. Help me keep the lights on this thing. Help me succeed in my mission, in my journey to enlighten people about the perils of branch banking, the perils of big banking. So if you do that, I will love you forever, if you want to be loved, that is. But if you could donate as, some, as little as a dollar a month, that'll go a long way in helping me keep Wire Bank Sucks a viable entity, and which will allow me to make this a full-time job and to help you learn more about banking. So with that being said, thank you so much again for listening. Uh, my name is James Baca, and I just told you why your bank sucks. You have a great day, and we'll hear from you very, very soon.